Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of EverAg Podcast. Today, joining me is Mr. John Spainhauer, as we just had the Global Dairy Trade Auction, the GDT, event number 281. So, John, welcome back to the, the podcast, man. Thanks, Godiddle. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So, a little bit different GDT than we had last time, about three weeks ago, that you were on the podcast. Um, this GDT was pretty much unchanged from what you and I were talking about um, pre-recording here. Can you kind of expound on that a little bit and what the market was kind of thinking going into this auction? Yeah, you bet. Well, let me start out by saying that, you know, if you go back in time since the beginning of the year, um, the GDT auction has been inching higher and higher and higher. Um, And it was three auctions ago that we suddenly saw, you know, just an explosion in prices. We saw whole milk powder go 21% higher. um, And it made that 21% higher move at a pretty high price tier. It's just something that was a little bit out of the ordinary and it, it really caught a lot of people off guard. It took us to our highest price in five years. You know, it really signaled to us that the international market was very much alive. And it put almost all of the GDT prices higher than the U.S. in cheese and butter and skim milk powder. You know, in our major categories, it, it said, hey, we're, you know, the... Uh, the the international price, uh, specifically the New Zealand price, was significantly higher and moving and continuing to move higher than the U.S. price. So you know that I felt like that was significant to the U.S. because that you know signaled to us that there would be a plenty of room for exports here. Coming into the last auction, there was a pullback of I think around five percent. Don't hold me to that. I apologize. Uh, but right in that area, there was an auction pullback, and that you know people tended to look at it and say, "Well, the price, you know, that rally was over with. You know, things got way ahead of themselves, and the the buying's done, and there's a there's a, a more significant pullback to come on." today's auction. So if we went and looked at the futures prices on the NZX, the NZX is the New Zealand Stock Exchange, and they host the futures contracts for the GDT products. Almost all of those price futures contracts were signaling that we were going to see another 5% decrease across the board in today's auction. And I guess... You know, we, we tend to look at those for a little bit of predictive power to say that if uh, there's sentiment in the market that the market's going to move higher, then we would expect uh, futures to reflect it. If the market's going to expect it to move lower, we would certainly expect those futures to reflect it. What we can say is the futures were reflecting the idea that the market was going to move significant. 5%, I don't want to call significantly lower, but relatively, that's a pretty big move on the GDT, specifically for a lot of these contracts. And in fact, we didn't move lower. Uh, we actually were unchanged to maybe just a little bit higher in some products here. And that came as a big surprise, I think, to a lot of people. And so I guess what I, if I were to wrap up you know, a summary of your question there, Cody, why is it important? I, I would say the, the market expected a pretty decent pullback in prices. 
it didn't get it, and in fact, we came in unchanged. I'm going to tend to, I'm forced to view that as supportive to bullish. That even though we were only unchanged, that very much beat the market's expectations. And I think that probably caught a lot of people off guard. So, kind of expounding on that a little bit, John, if we look at the cheese price, um, I guess our equivalent, if you do the math backwards, cheese would be at a $1.99 a pound and butter $2.55 a pound. Would you expect, you know, this is, I guess, part of this is if exports in the western part of the country kind of get ramping up and, and kind of get going for our cheese price, which is call it a buck 85 on the futures curve to come up that extra 15, 20 cents to match? Or would you think that the rest of the world is kind of waiting for the GDT to come down to our prices? Well, Comparing international cheese prices is certainly a difficult thing to do. Uh, if we're comparing butter and AMF, there just aren't that. There are some differentiations in geographic origin and actual product. There, there's no doubt about that. So if we're comparing skim and nonfat, there's you know those are different products, but they're interchangeable in some areas. It, it, but they're pretty closely related in price. When we get into the international cheese arena, there are lots of different types of cheeses, lots of different grades and colors and brands and origins. So it does become a little bit difficult to say these products need to trade one for one um, on prices. What we can say, though, is for an international cheese buyer out there who might be looking for cheese at this point in time, I'd be forced to say that the U.S. is probably still the cheapest in the world. We're right with, on the European side, our block price might be right in the box. There's no doubt about that. So we might be competing with Europe a little bit, but as we compare to New Zealand, we're definitely cheaper. Um, And one thing that the U.S. has that the European market doesn't really have, at least on a very transparent exchange-traded basis, um, and New Zealand certainly doesn't have it, is a cheese contract. And by that, I mean the ability to lock in long, for a manufacturer to lock in a long-term sales at a certain price. So even though the U.S. block price right now at 178.50 might be on par with the European market, what we do have is the potential to lock in a forward price from now through the end of the year. And that can certainly keep our exports going. It's also important to remember that we were significantly cheaper than the rest of the world for a long time. It wasn't very long ago that our block price was down in the you know, mid-160s. And if you go back to the beginning of March, which was only a month ago, we were in the low 160s. And our futures curve was lower as well. It's distinctly possible that we did lock in some long-term futures or long-term export-based sales via either those spot prices or those futures. That you know we we haven't seen them ship yet. We haven't seen the go out the door, but it's distinctly possible that we could have gotten that done. Okay, and I think everybody's. how do, I, how do I want to put this? What's on the front of everybody's mind is China. The last couple of GDT auctions and the last one that you and I had talked about on this podcast, China seemed to be a big buyer. Uh, they seem to be, you know, the bull in the China shop. Do you think 
they are still buying some of this product or with the unchanged event here today in the auction, do you think they're just gone? Well, let me first start out by saying I assume that was a pun when you said, or no pun intended when you said a bull in the china shop. Ah, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I miss you, Co-Diddle. Um, anyhow, uh, as it relates to China, China is very much the, the market mover here. Um, it has been a significant buyer on the GDT for most of the year. If you, it does become a little bit hard to compare because if you remember uh, last year, I don't think it's very hard for people to remember. Last year, at this point in time, uh, you know, we were in the midst of a COVID breakdown. You know, we were on our way to a dollar across most products. We saw, you know, Chinese buying on the GDT slow down significantly. So uh, it does become a little bit hard to compare when we go. Would we try to compare year over year or month to month? What we can say is, is that though, even when we take into account the the lack of Chinese buying on the la- or on the of last year, and then show that they've been buying more this year, their buying has been impressive. It has been impressive not only on the dairy sector but it, across all commodities. I think almost every commodity out there right now would say, "Hey, China, especially on the food side, China is very much a part of the trade." So they've been very much a part of the dairy trade here, specifically on the GDT. If you go back to last the last auction, prices came move lower. And a lot of people said, is that a signal that the Chinese are slowing down or are done buying? And I, I said it then and I'll say it now. I don't see that behavior on the last auction as being as giving me an indication that the Chinese were done buying. They still bought 112% more than they bought on the same auction last year. So do you say, well, why did the price go down if they bought that much more? And I think it's important to remember that after the auction where whole milk powder went 21% higher, the amount of product that was offered on the GDT, specifically whole milk powder from New Zealand, was ramped up significantly in response to the, that that price spike. My sense of things is, is that we move lower on that last auction more as a result of an increase in supply than, than as a result of a decrease in demand. So when we came into this auction, I I think people were kind of extrapolating and feeling like, I don't know why they weren't looking at that, but a lot of people were saying China's done, China's done, China's done. That's why we have to go lower. I don't think there was anything in that last auction that signaled that. As we look to this auction, there may be a little bit of a signal that the Chinese are done, but still they bought 58% more than they did on the auction last year. That's a little bit difficult for me to dissect right now, simply because we're getting, you know, uh, I haven't been able to to dissect against the year over year. You know, it was COVID, so of course we were up. I want to look at it from a a two year period, but I think we're on par. And to say that the Chinese are very much still a part of our market, and we're very much still a part of this auction. All that being said, they did slow down a little bit. What we did see on this auction that's probably significant is some of the other regions that have not been purchasing as much started to step up. 
And I think what's happened is people have been waiting on the sidelines saying the prices are so much higher because of Chinese buying. At some point in time, the Chinese are going to run out of gas. Prices will move lower and then I'll get to buy. What we've seen here is now I think people starting to come to the conclusion that that might be getting a little bit tougher to see happen. And as a result, we saw South and Central America step up their buying in a way we haven't seen in a long time. We saw Southeast Asia, who has been buying significantly less every auction. They still bought less year over year, but only 10% less. And that's actually a, a pretty decent rebound from the, the percentages that we've seen. So I think what you're seeing is on this auction, a little bit of Chinese slowdown, and yet everybody else coming into the market. However, I still want to stress that China was still very much a part of this market. And until I see those numbers go below year over year, I'm going to have to assume that they're going to continue to be part of our market. So even if China did back out a little bit, the other shoe kind of gets filled with the rest of the uh, rest of the world kind of stepping in, which is, is still technically a bullish sentiment in your eyes is kind of what I'm gathering. That is that is correct. And and even to that degree, um, if I if I wanted to put on my my buyer's hat, if I was a buyer and I could buy from Europe, I could buy from New Zealand or I could buy from the U.S., specifically when it comes to nonfat. Our, our skim milk powder, and even some whole milk powder, but let's just keep it to that. I might be inclined to say, I don't want to spend a dollar fifty-five on skim milk powder in New Zealand when I might be able to get it for a dollar nineteen in the U.S. Right, so we might see a little bit of a slowdown on the GDT buying simply because people now are going to try to find it from somewhere a cheaper alternative. Still, the same amount of demand. It's just who's getting that demand. And we have heard over the past few months that there has been interest here in the U.S. from Chinese buyers. I'm not exactly sure that's what happened on this auction yet, but I wouldn't doubt it. And certainly the numbers, when and where possible, suggest that's what should happen if you can actually get that product on a boat and out the country. Right. And and I think that's kind of the biggest portion that we're dealing with, don't you, is we need those boats, those vessels to be loading and not just sending some of these barges back to other countries completely empty. You know, it's uh, it's kind of like the, uh, I guess the only comparison I can come up with is the my electricity company. I have no idea how electricity works and I expect it to work. And when it breaks down, I expect the electric company to fix it. And when they do, I say, thank God they fixed it. Um, now let's get back to business. When it comes to the shipping stuff, Cody, I... I just assume shipping's going to work and that yeah. they'll get this container stuff worked out. Um, I have no doubt in my mind they will. I just don't know when it's going to happen. But yes, it is a this shipping container issue, specifically when it comes to dry goods like nonfat and skim out of the U.S. does seem to be a, a very relevant uh, topic that is hindering our ability to get product out of the country. When it comes to cheese and butter, some of the more refrigerated products, you know, we typically don't bring in a lot, a lot of refrigerated products from Asia. So we typically send them out. So I think cheese and butter have a, a better chance of getting out the door right now than some of the dry products, simply because a refrigerated container is a bit different than just your regular dry container. Understood. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, John, we appreciate you being on again. And uh, that is going to do it for another deep dive into GDT Tuesday with John Spainhauer. We're going to try to do these 
every other Tuesday, you know, kind of when GDT comes out, get John's take on it, um, what he's seen, different folks that he's talking to, maybe a little bit of their perspective. If you have any questions for myself or John, Paige is going to put our contact information in the description um, as a way that you can call us, email us, get a hold of us with any kind of questions. And uh, with that, we are going to sign off and we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.